Welcome back to the Fourth Way Podcast. Today we are going to finish our discussion of John Howard Yoder. Um, while there's a lot I skipped over from his book, The Politics of Jesus, you can read a lot of what I left out in my written version in the show notes, which I will again link below. What we covered so far is what I think best fits into what is applicable for this show. However, I want to take this episode to discuss the man behind the politics of Jesus and, drumroll, his history of sexual assault. Um, if you have a nonviolent background, then I'm sure you've probably heard about this and, and know about it. Um, but I came across this uh, maybe about a year after reading about Yoder as I was kind of researching more books of his to look into. Um, so I think it's something that needs to be discussed, and I want to discuss it for a number of important reasons. First of all, I think it's important for victims of sexual abuse to know that an individual's work doesn't free them from rightful criticism and judgment. The last thing that I want is to have a podcast on nonviolence and loving others and forgiveness and those sorts of things, and then for it to be thought that I would would be for glossing over somebody's sin, not calling it out, um, and just perpetuating injustice. And that's not the case. That that should not be done. Um, and and I don't want victims to think that that I'm on board with something like that because that's appalling and that is something that needs to stop in the world, but especially in the church where where sin egregious sin like that needs to be called out. Secondly, I think it's important for my integrity and our integrity to acknowledge the failure of our leaders. What good does it do to prop people up? It's not loving towards them to um to put them on a pedestal and to overlook their sins and let them continue in them. Yoder's dead, so this isn't really going to help him out, but um you know, to let others who might be doing these types of things right now or who have done them know that we're not going to gloss over them. I think that's that's important for our integrity. And should anyone listening to this or should I one day um, fall into egregious sin, that we need to be held accountable. And this is not okay. And for our integrity and honesty, we need to we need to put this out in the open. Third, it's important to understand who our teachers are, and that might help us to color in, dissuasively rather than persuasively, some of their teachings. There might be some times where, if you know the background of an individual, it might taint their argument, and you might it might discredit them. If I was listening to a Christian, if I was reading a Christian slaveholder from back in the 1800s, um and he was writing on the topic of slavery or humanity or the image of God, I I would be very cautious in, in reading him. Um, I would be double and triple checking that information. I would be, I would be um, more thorough and more skeptical, particularly when it came to 
topics uh, where where the compromise seemed to occur. So it is important to understand who people are because uh, we all have biases and, and and things like that. Number four, I think it reminds us that no matter how good we look, we can all be living in an extremely fallen manner through self-deceit. And the same is true of our leaders. Um, it is important to us that we remain introspective and that we daily take a look at our hearts and our sin and that we we always recognize that leaders can fall. One of the, the saddest things to me is that so many women have come forward in churches about violations, but because a pastor is revered, the woman is either not believed or dismissed, or the kids or whoever is being violated. And that's just terrible. Um, more than anybody, Christians should understand human nature, and we should know that anyone is capable of, of anything, and we need to take allegations and take uh, these issues seriously. Number five, we are able to defend works while critiquing individuals. And I think you might disagree with me on that, um, but I, I'm going to kind of argue for that and explain why. So let's, let's uh, kind of jump into the episode proper. I was blindsided when I found about uh, found out about John Howard Yoder's assault, and um, there are a lot of like euphemisms that go around, like it was inappropriate and other sorts of things. From the various things that I've read, um, some of the things that he did were pretty egregious. I mean, we're not talking about just like a sexual harassment type of thing. Um, I think we are talking about like physical. Uh, yeah, physical sexual assault. So, not pretty. Um, not that sexual harassment is pretty either, um, but I think most people would agree that there are definitely levels, and I think Yoder uh, went towards maybe not the, the highest level, like uh, forceful rape and... Um, and like violence and strangulate I don't know whatever whatever that last tier is I don't think he went that far but um, I mean however far it was it was not good um, and I was blindsided by that in large part because while while I know the terrible past of many Christian leaders who were slave owners burned people at the stake executed them tortured them were anti-Semites etc I guess I expected things to be different for someone who espoused Nonviolence. John Howard Yoder is an important reminder to me that everyone is human, no matter what views they claim to hold. In that light, while I, I don't want to defend Yoder at all, not one bit, I do want to defend the use of his works and his influence on me uh, and, and the things that he's taught me. So I don't want to ju uh, justify him, and I don't want to defend him as a human and, and his actions, but I, I do want to argue that we can use his work and that we're, we're right in doing so. 
So, let's talk about judging the man. To Kill a Mockingbird is a great story. In fact, one of my sons is named after Atticus Finch. When the sequel came out, many hated it. But my wife enjoyed it, actually. The story wasn't happy, it wasn't good, and it actually shed a bad light on Atticus, the, the wonderful protagonist from the first book. But my wife loved the second book because she resonated with the story. See, the, the first story was kind of viewed through the eyes of, of a young, naive child, Atticus's daughter. And the second was through the view of a grown-up um, daughter becoming an adult and realizing the reality of who her father really was. In the first book, it's very simplistic. Atticus is a great guy who's fighting for justice, trying to um, exonerate an innocent black man in, in the South. And you're like, oh, so brave and wonderful, and uh, he's, he's, he's so honorable. But in the second book, you find out that Atticus is really a very complex and very imperfect man. And some of his reasons for defending weren't great, or he he actually is racist in some of his views, and he's just not all that likable. Not like the, the image that you get of him in the first book. And it's it's quite possible to think that, that Atticus was, was two different people, like the, that the author wrote the book at two very different times, um, and just couldn't remember how she how she portrayed Atticus in the first book. And that's possible, but quite honestly, um, my wife resonated with this because this is this is uh, her experience of like friends and family members or whatever as growing up, where it's like, oh, I just revered this person. And then when the skeletons start coming out of the closet as you get older and your family and friends reveal more details about their lives or, or other people's lives, you're like, that, that person is not who I thought they were. I mean, they, they still have the good aspects, maybe? A lot of the good aspects, some of the good aspects that you, you revered them for, but they become much more complex when you find out their history. And our society is, is realizing the same thing. Thomas Jefferson owned slaves, George Washington owned slaves, a lot of other founders had issues, uh, lots of issues. Um, in the sports world, I, I'm from Pennsylvania, and so Joe Paterno was a big name up there. And um, you know, he, I guess, I don't know exactly, you hear different stories, but he either overlooked or didn't, um, didn't push hard enough, according to... Uh, the university and and uh, authorities in, in trying to stop one of his coaches from uh, inappropriately sexually assaulting or molesting boys who would come to football camps. And so they basically stripped Joe Paterno of like his records and things and um, there are other consequences but but that was the big one for Paterno. So our society is trying to figure out what do you do? with great leaders who aren't so great in some respects. In fact, terrible in some respects. Now, I personally don't think that you can discount their work because they accomplished what they did. I mean, George Washington was the first president. He 
did what he did with the army and with politics. Uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote uh, lots of great early documents for the United States and was, was extremely influential. Joe Paterno, it doesn't matter what he did, he won all of those football games. Like, he did. So if, if there's somebody trying to beat a record, like, what does his sexual assault have to or his um, being soft on sexual assault have to do with the fact that he won as many games as he did? He won them. Um, you look at other people, like, in, in Christian history, Whitfield, Luther, Calvin, Augustine, Paul, um, which many who are listening to a nonviolent podcast would likely be fine with throwing out quite a number of those I just mentioned, but also many others. You look in our, our Christian history, and there's it's pretty dark. It's very dark at times. But people who are... Some of the darkest people are people who we um, we use as kind of foundational. Uh, they're foundational for the creeds that we have or um, or some of the, the beliefs that we have. So, to me, it doesn't seem right to throw out the whole when you can try to excise the bad. That's just my view. But what about... So we're talking about judging the person, but what about judging truth? Doesn't it seem odd, though, to take moral teaching from someone who is egregiously immoral? You know, it's one thing to take historical accomplishments from slaveholders, because those are two separate things. And what they did politically and the fact that they owned slaves are two separate things. Just like with Joe Paterno, um, his ability to coach football and the fact that he won games is completely different than the fact that he um, he made a mistake or he was immoral in, in overlooking things, right? I mean, those are two very different things. But morality being taught and morality lived, those seem to be pretty interconnected. Now, honestly, this has been my biggest reservation. Sometimes when I think about the issue, it logically feels like having my taxes done by someone who failed their accounting class. You know, if Yoder was a failure at nonviolence because he was coercive in, um, and not only was he coercive, but then also sexual, uh, the sexual deviance. Um, that just feels like it's hard to take moral um, reasoning and theological teaching from somebody like that. On the other hand, I believe God's word and morals are objective things, and therefore they are held and verified independently of someone's actions. Now, while I would expect the knowledge of God to impact one's actions, and I can't fathom how Yoder could continue on doing what he was doing year after year um, without repentance. Um, I don't know if he ultimately repented or not. I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. But it just, like, how, how do you keep doing that? But But then again, I go back to... Uh, whether it's some elders in a church or pastors who preach sermons week after week after week for years while they're living a life of adultery. Um, human nature, right? So, but because morals and, and God and truth are objective and can be 
held independently of actions. Um, I'm I'm okay with taking teaching from somebody who has uh, moral failings, significant moral failings. Um, you know, when I read Yoder now, I do so with more skepticism than I did before. If I come across something that seems off, I evaluate it with a lot more scrutiny. Scrutiny, and if if any doubt remains, I don't give Yoder the benefit of the doubt. Nevertheless, as far as what Yoder says can be tested or assessed for truth content or verified through other teachers, I don't see why his work should be thrown out. In the end, Yoder's work remains very inspirational to me. My life was transformed by his teaching, and that's a fruit that is very evident to me. But it's not because it's not because the teaching came from Yoder. It's because Yoder was able to grasp at some point in his life and put into wonderful words an objective truth that God has made available for all of us to grasp. And Yoder was just the one who put that into words and put it out there. And um, I was able to to hear Yoder say that. All truth is God's truth, and whether you're an atheist scientist or a, a Christian teacher who has sexual assault in their past, if you are speaking truth, then that truth is God's truth. Yes, it makes it harder to discern if somebody is speaking truth, if, if they are compromised, but there are ways that we can go about verifying and, and such. I hope that this episode brought some important truths to light. I don't think it's honest or just to Yoder's victims to hide what he did. You may now want to dismiss everything that Yoder says, which is why I put this episode last, so hopefully you would give his words a fair hearing first and judge them for their truth content. And But whatever you do with those, that's that's your prerogative. Just know where consistency on that outright dismissal for wrongs could logically lead you if you're going to dismiss for uh, sins and egregious sins. Um, you need to get out your... Uh, sharpie and go through quite a bit of church history and maybe that needs to be done I don't know the goal of this episode was not at all to persuade you that Yoder's a good guy that we should overlook what he did or that the past is just in the past and we need to get over it the goal is to be genuine results and making cases aren't the goal of this podcast but helping the body of Christ to become a loving and open community is I hope that goal was advanced today. With that said, that's all for now. So peace. Because I'm a pacifist, when I say it, I mean it.